Hi. I put in here that I have to start this episode, but all I had to offer was hi. Hi. So if you want to take the reins. You want me to. So that was you starting the episode? <laughs> well, technically, I started the episode. Okay, you did it. Hey, it's me, Chris. This is my podcast about astrology. And welcome my guest, Jess. <laughs> uh, hello. We're back again for episode 16. Uh, welcome to Scorpio Sweet 16. season. Oh, we should have done a Sweet 16 app. Ugh. Sweet 16. What's that? Sweet 16, the show? The 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 16 and pregnant? 16 and, <laughs> 16 and it's my birthday? Uh, I think it was just called Sweet 16 and it was on MTV about like rich girls who are like rich kids. Right. Who like throw their 16th birthday and they'll have like, I saw an episode where like Sugar Colt, some, some girl's dad paid Sugar Colt 50 grand to come play at her birthday party. That's so cool. And the theme song was Hillary Duff being like, sweet, sweet. 50 grand. Can you imagine? No. God, like that, so cool. There isn't that much money in the entire music industry now. 50 beautiful grand. What would I do with 50 grand? Oh my God. I could pay rent for friggin' a year. For 50 grand, someone else would be editing these Astro Blast episodes instead of me slaving away, hunched over at the computer. You would pay somebody 50 grand a year <laughs> to edit this podcast? No, I would peel off a crisp bill to yeah. give them and then the rest. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I would spend at Hooters, Red Lobster. Hooters, Red Lobster. Ooh, a little taste of what's to come. Mm-hmm. Later on, we have an Astro Probe with Jacqueline O'Connell, mm -hmm. and that's that's her name, from Bittersweet Media. Bittersweet Media does all of our, like, graphics and stuff like that for Astro Blast. She makes all of the teasers you see um, that we post almost every week. Tease nuts. <laughs> and tomorrow at 10.20 a.m., we're entering Scorpio season. So to prepare you for that, we have a Scorpio playlist. Oh, right. I, okay. And I did it. And I made it. Mm -hmm. And I already did it. Chris and contributed five songs and he has not forgotten. No, as I didn't of forget about the five songs that I have to put together. And they all have to be about scorpions and things of that nature. Yes, exactly. Isn't Scorpion a rock band? Yep. So they, I think they sing Hurricane, Rock Me Like a. And we're about in hurricane season, aren't we? Yep. Uh, and then uh -huh. there's, of course, Bob Dylan's song, Hurricane. Oh, okay. And then uh, there's a band called The Tornadoes that has a song called Telstar. It's an instrumental. It's very good. Then there's Sting, like and a then scorpion. Sting, like a scorpion, who sings the great song, uh, I'll Be Missing You by Puff Daddy. <laughs> and to wrap up my list, we have uh, a, a selection from the, the film, from the score of the film, The Scorpion King, The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god jenny is it you who has never seen the mummy with brendan fraser i can't remember if i've seen it or not but i've definitely seen the scorpion king because it's when i realized I you were gay <laughs> <laughs> that's when you realized you actually were straight yeah, yeah, yeah. wow the rocks he was hot you know. think he's too bulked up to be hot I, to you now? I think it's gone too far. It's not your, not in not your my, taste. I mean, I like women, so... What? So it was already a stretch, but now it's like... A stretch. When we did the girls' night ep and we listed the hottest people per sign, your list was almost entirely men. Yeah, okay. I was I... Wait, what? Well, I should yeah, listen. Actually, I'll check it out. She did list you as Taurus. Really? Thank you so much. She did not list me as Gemini. I'll say that much. Oh my <laughs> well, you didn't God. list me as Sagittarius. Uh -huh. I, did, I did list her as Sagittarius. Yeah, but she had a backup. Oh my God. Me out I had Damn. a backup because I wanted to test it to see if she put me as Gemini, and she fucking didn't, so I That's changed mine. That's the fucking Gemini-ass shit I've ever heard. <laughs> There's oh. trouble amongst these two roommates. <laughs> Yeah, so that Scorpio playlist is up. Get on that jam. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, or on our website under Astro Jams. And all right, so cool. So before we get into this week's topic, let's recap the last episode. Last time on Astro Blast. Exactly. We talked about Saturn. And okay. there were some things that I left out that are kind of like crucial. So it'll be good um, recap for you for me to like. What did I say last week? Anything funny? Did I have any funny bits? Yeah, your real good bit that I loved last week was when you talked about how you're doming Saturn in your, like, Fifty Shades of Chris, like, dom yes, basement. Yes, yes, thank you. Okay, great. Now I remember. 
So last week, what I forgot to say, like we got so in depth with the deeper psychological meaning of Saturn that I totally forgot to list like the keywords that are traditionally associated with Saturn. So adding to that, I just want to say that Saturn pertains to authority, structures, hard work, struggle, fear, limitations, <sighs> and boundaries. Oh boy. All things that don't sound fun, but that ultimately are rewarding when we are able to actually commit to those things. And that's kind of the nature of Saturn as a whole. Uh, it's no fun until you work with it and then it yields some kind of fruit. Beautiful. Uh, Saturn traditionally rules Aquarius. I didn't even mention what sign Saturn rules, I don't oh. think, last week. Um, and Aquarius is an air sign. And it also rules Capricorn, which is an earth sign. And I have two of those in my little chart. Right? Capricorn. Yes. Yes. Two Capricorns. <laughs> There's something called the Saturn return, uh, which is kind of like a more complex astrology corner that we'll get into in the future. But we won't get too deep into it now other than to say that everyone everyone experiences the return of their Saturn, which is when Saturn goes around the whole sky and returns back to where it was in the sky at the time of your birth. It occurs, it occurs for everyone between the ages of 28 and 31. And it's like a huge period of like uh, self-growth and it's a very challenging period. It aligns pretty perfectly with how we see as non-astrology people turning 30. Mm. Just like the difficulties of it, the way that we kind of psych ourselves out and uh, attach like negative connotation to it. A lot of those same negative connotations are attached to the Saturn return. But ultimately, I mean, I think when people get used to entering that decade of their lives, I mean, I'm not 30 yet, but everyone I talk to who is 30 says that it just gets better, right? Yeah, honestly, you know, and definitely I'm sure a lot of people feel differently or felt differently, but when I was not 30, I couldn't wait to be 30. And now that I'm 30, I fucking love being 30. There you go. Was there any amount of fear surrounding it, though? No. Maybe you were way ahead of your Saturn return then. Maybe. That's something to say, too. I think uh, in the same way that a lot of people know about Mercury retrograde without knowing anything about astrology, a lot of people will know about the Saturn return without knowing anything about astrology. Mm -hmm. And we all do go through a Saturn return. It doesn't have to be negative for everybody, though. I think if you have a handle on your life and your desires and your comfort, that it's easier to face a Saturn return head on. And that's what I'm getting from you. You were like ready for it. Yeah, the Saturn return doesn't have to be scary for everybody. Right. So it's important to mention all of this now and to like touch base on the things that we just said about Saturn because we're about to dive into the outer planets. And Saturn serves as the boundary between the personal inner planets that we've already discussed and the outer or transpersonal planets. So think of Saturn as the exterior of your fortress of self and ego. Okay. The outside of that fortress is the rest of the world and everyone in it. So the outer planets are outside of that fortress, and they represent the collective, everything outside of the self. Within the inner planets, we find the ego, the individual, the character. And in the outer planets, we find society, the collective, large groups of people, the world, and outer forces or events that impact us. So there are three outer planets, which includes Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Those are the final three major planetary bodies we're getting into. We're just going to cover the first one today, Uranus, but it is the first of those three planets. Okay. The outer planets are really tricky to understand. Even the most experienced astrologers are still trying to figure out exactly how to use them. Yeah. Um, this is because they're relatively new to us. Uranus was discovered in 1781. Neptune- oh, the other day. <laughs> yeah, back when you were a young man. Hey, no, no, I wasn't born yet. I'm actually very young. I'm even younger than 30. I'm not even 30 yet. <laughs> I should have said that earlier. I am, and I am afraid of being 30 because it's so far away from me. Of course. And I can't even imagine being that old. <laughs> what is Jenny listening to? Do you think? Yeah, Jenny, what are you doing? I'm just writing. What are you writing? Poem? Poetry? Read us a passage, please. Read us one thing you just wrote, real quick. Check the air in the raptors. <laughs> Thank you. Check the air in the Rav tires. I appreciate you telling me. Thank you. Oh a little slice of life. <laughs> Sounds like a nice car. <laughs> so Uranus was discovered in 1781. Hey, come on. <laughs> Neptune in 1846 and Pluto in 1930. So that may sound like a while, but if we remember that astrology has been around for at least 2,400 years, if not much more, it really puts into, into perspective how new the outer planets are. 
It's like a blip in the grand scheme of yeah. things in the history of astrology. The inner planets were assigned their meanings through research and astronomy. So astronomers were like following the stars, taking notes of events and occurrences, and then compiling information based on those occurrences and like where the stars were in the sky. So that took time to like compile all this data and info. And that went on for like hundreds of years. So we haven't had the time to like compile that same data and research on all of these new planets. Mm -hmm. I should mention Jess is drinking champagne while we do this. It's Sunday and I had brunch and now I'm continuing brunch. Hell yeah. So yeah, that's one reason why outer planets are really difficult to understand because we're still learning about them. But also it's because they have such long orbits as we've talked about a couple times. They're mm -hmm. like farther out in our solar system so their orbits take way longer to go around. Right. Um, it takes Uranus 84 years to go through all 12 signs. So it spends seven years in a single sign before it moves on to the next one. It takes Neptune almost 165 years to go through all 12 signs, spending 14 years in a single sign. And then it takes Pluto 249 years to go through the Zodiac. So it spends 12 to 31 years in a single sign. Wow. So you can't really get much info just based on the sign of an outer planet. Mm-hmm. So this means the outer planets become associated with generations, with like long-term events and trends within society. We associate the sign of an outer planet with the generation because typically an outer planet will only visit a particular sign once at the most within a single human's lifetime. For example, I have Pluto and Scorpio, so I'm part of the Pluto and Scorpio generation. The last time Pluto was in Scorpio before me in my generation was in 1748. So they really are like markers of times in history. Yeah. We can look at outer planets to learn more about how our generation sees the world and what our collective values are. For example, like having many children used to be a common value forever ago, where now we value having plenty of time to decide and grow into ourselves before we make a decision to have even one child. So like differences in society will be reflected through the outer planets like that. Uh, and like we discussed with Saturn, combining the sign, house, and aspects of a planet can give its own unique flavor in a chart. So we would never just look at the sign of Uranus, Neptune, or Pluto. We would also look at the house of the 12 houses that it's in in the chart mm -hmm. and then how it relates to where the other planets are in a chart. In this way, we're able to detach it from the greater collective and assign it to an area of our own life. So Pluto... Pl so Pluto... Pluto. So, so Pluto and Scorpio could mean a generational thing for me and the uh -huh. other people who have Pluto and Scorpio, so within a seven-year period. Yes. But... Pluto in Scorpio in the 11th house for me like related to like opposite on the chart of like Venus or something you know that's a very specific thing that's only in my chart so there is a way to make outer planets personal uh -huh. but if you just look at the sign it's generational right are you with me mm-hmm oh no <laughs> let's see if it'll make more sense as we go on so of these two modes of interpretation, the first being generational ideas and movements and values, and the second being ex external forces and events that impact us personally in our own chart, mm -hmm. these two modes of interpretation have something in common. Neither can be attached to the ego, which is what the inner and personal planets all work with. All the stuff we've been talking about on this podcast so far is personal stuff, characteristics, personality, ego. The outer planets are egoless and separate from us. They're things we can't master or harness. They're forces we can't control, and we must learn to understand and work with them. They are other. They're external. They aren't the individual, which makes them hard to interpret and understand. Because as humans, it's often incredibly difficult to separate ourselves from our identity and from our ego. No matter who you are, even if, even our own therapists, to bring Lara Croft and... That's right. And, and mine, later. Amy, back into it, yes. Even even them, even our therapists, as you know, try as they might to use psychological methods, there's still there's still some level of projection of their experience of what it's like to be human. For sure. For you know, so it's really hard for any single person to really fully understand what the outer planets have to offer us because it's so hard to separate ourselves from who we are and our own experiences and our mm -hmm. own projections. But all of that said, let's attempt to discuss. Uranus, today's planet. Well, that's a lot of interesting stuff, and I've learned a lot. And you know what? Now it's time for the Astro Probe. Okay, we are here today with Jacqueline O'Connell, who represents as Bittersweet Media and uh, creates all of the assets, meaning really the uh, the, t the episode teasers and uh, some like whenever you see a video with a starry border around it, that comes from Jacqueline. Welcome, Jacqueline. It's me. I'm here. 
I do the teasers. Thank you. For the podcasts and the marketing for the bands. Thank you. Yes, tell us tell us a little bit more about Bittersweet Media and what bands you work with. Uh, my main two clients, main three clients are 613 Records, so everybody there. Max Seal. Max Seal, Samuelin, Zeta. <gasps> yeah. Previously, the alumni, Julian Baker, mm-hmm. Culture Abuse, mm-hmm. Touche Moray, mm-hmm. and all those fun people. Hell yeah. Uh, Grayling from Philly. She's just put out an EP. It's very good to go listen to it. Thank you. Stream by the music. Um, <laughs> and uh, Triple Crown Records, mm. which is also very good. So it's Caspian. So very cool. Post-rock. Oh, so, oh, so Future Teens are mm-hmm. your favorite new bands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Cave Town, who is a lovely young man named Robin from England. And that's why I happen to be in LA, because he's playing at the Fonda tonight. And we're gonna party hardy. Hell yeah. Beautiful. So what do you what would you say in your own words you're doing for these bands, just to give some context to anyone listening? Well, um, I don't do public relations or PR or press or anything like that. So if anyone says can you do PR for our album? And be like, that's not marketing. So no. I'm sure you get that question a lot. I actually asked you that when I asked <laughs> you to work with Astro Blast. And it, it feels kind of weird. And I feel condescending when I say, well, those aren't the same things. Yeah. But mainly yeah. because I don't fucking know anybody at NPR. So good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but ba- mainly I do marketing. So digital marketing, email marketing, social advertising, social media engagement, helping people with their album rollouts, get prepped for people to pay attention and strategize and all those fancy words. And so I, Bittersweet Media also does stuff for podcasts now, clearly. There we are. Mm-hmm. You're the first podcast client of uh-huh. Bittersweet Media. So wow. we Hell have expanded yeah. our services. Wow. Yes. So Happy to help. You added a new wing to your office? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I had to build a whole new podcast wing. <laughs> yep, yep. Had, had to. to hire a whole new team. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It. But it has been an interesting, uh, I think when we first talked about how to market a podcast, I was like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Probably similar to how an album rollout goes. And obviously I have, you know, traditional training and marketing but music marketing is so specific yeah it and works very... for us too though because even though this is a podcast it's like connected to what we do i think the people we're rockers are... famously so <laughs> people know us from the rock world the punkers we we rock out she shreds oh my gosh hey remember the magazine it's well, i mean currently active tank tankard started she shreds did you know that? you did that that's Actually, you? the only connection I have to She Shreds is I was supposed to play a She Shreds showcase at South by Southwest like two years ago, but there was a blizzard in New England when I was living there, so we had our all of our flights got delayed by a day, so I couldn't play the She Shreds Ugh. thing. And, and you ever no since longer then, shred. no, I mean She Shreds hasn't said shit about me shredding, so I don't think I do shred. Actually, I wow. haven't received that validation. Damn. So. I mean, a woman can only Oof. go so far. That's what I've always been saying. Thank you. Finally. <laughs> we've, we've uncovered the whole truth of it all is that a woman can only go so far. Yeah. yeah. True. Um, okay. So let's ask you some questions. <laughs> all right. What's your sun, moon, and rising? My sun is Gemini, uh, which I share with you, Jess, which mm-hmm. is lovely. It was, a, it was a beautiful happening when we both realized we were Geminis. Yes. Um, my rising is Virgo. Mm-hmm. And my moon is aries hell Mm. yeah okay so sun question what do you think your purpose is go ahead quick shoot (laughs) off the top of my head my purpose in like life and on this earth yeah my feel like my sole purpose in life is to uplift others and support friends in my community i feel like that's my my core purpose in life Oh, yeah. I know that was a really wholesome answer, but it's the truth. That's, That's like what first comes to my mind. If you felt like that, like before you had your job and everything, like that's kind of your personality and stuff. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like I've always, I mean, it takes a while to grow into the maturity to be able to say, like name of course. that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think a lot of the volunteer work I've done with social workers and a lot of now working with artists and supporting them emotionally, physically, and in a business capacity mm-hmm. has definitely helped me realize that I, I love to just uplift people and, and give them and show them the support that they deserve. And I mean, that's also why I started my record label with Talia Millers, because we we wanted to give a, a voice to non-male performers that just weren't getting it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
So totally. Yeah, rocks. Yeah. And just to put it on the record, your label's name. Sheer Luck Records. Two bands right now. Leggy from Cincinnati. Personal Best from Bristol, oh, cool. England. Yeah. Awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do you know what the moon question is? I don't think you've actually even done a probe. No, this is like I've the never first done one you've one. been on. No, yeah. Okay, moon question. What makes you feel safe? Um I think I feel the most safe and comfortable within my person when I'm laughing and I feel in a moment of like vulnerability and within a community and like a friends or even just a group of friends or even with you know my husband partner he's my best friend and anything that comes into my mind I can just say and feel that he would never judge me and yeah having mm-hmm. a group of friends it's really important so like laughing is really important I think in a great partnership and then in great friendships too so I'd say laughing is when I feel the safest because I feel that in that moment you're not weighed down by like what's happening in like the shit fire that is our country and and you're not weighed down by any past traumas you're in that moment and you're laughing and you're having like you're being present with your emotions totally yeah finding people who have the same sense of humor as you is like there's nothing better it's like finding the right nail polish yeah hey hey yeah i agree okay final question the rising question what TV show, book, movie, any kind of fictional character in anything do you most attach to and aspire to be like? Shoot, I did kind of think about this one, but I and I have a in this I'm gonna say a political figure that I think everybody likes is uh, I want to be just <laughs> like Trump. Trump. President Donald J. Trump. I feel like I've surpassed what he is, though. Like, the bar is so low. <laughs> that, like, I can just walk out the door and just be a perfect shithead. <laughs> and walk down the street, kick dogs and stuff, and be like, cool, I did it. I'm, You're still not the worst person. I'm still not as bad as him. So he he sets the bar pretty low. Um, no, I'd say, like, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Like, she is really impactful and she mm-hmm. speak her voice really drives home what it's like to be a working class person yeah. and coming from a working class family and you know working since I was 15 years old and going through the struggles of having three part-time jobs and living totally. paycheck to paycheck you know and now being 30 and feeling really grateful for my life that I'm in a comfortable position with my partner mm-hmm. and being able to give my time and you know financial gratitude back to the to the communities is is really important i think that she speaks really highly of those those things and like understanding that when you do like the first this is the first time she's had health insurance like having Mm -hmm. those moments where you realize like wow these things can really impact my life so that i can continue to help others yeah Mm -hmm. i'd say that she's like she's definitely up there and she's younger than me (laughs) how old is she She's like 27, 28. No. Oh my God. She's oh. under 30. She's definitely under 30. And I was like, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she was born in the 90s. Yeah. I'm like, what have I done? Start a podcast about astrology? This is what I ask myself every day <laughs> when I'm working with artists who are stupid talented. And yeah, I'm just but like, that's like, you know, you're, see, you, you're no, no, a no, part no, of that. No, 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 no. I'm not going to allow you to play down being a musician. <laughs> You're born hot. Thank you so much. Born, uh, I was born 11th. okay. Already, October eleventh. Already, already out. But you're born hot. You're born hot. Wait, your record came out October eleventh. That's right. That's. Has anybody told you that that is the birthday of the twins and the Parent Trap? Nope. Nobody has October told me that. October <laughs> eleventh. <laughs> oh wow. my god. Well, great. You like Oreos and peanut butter? So do I. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. It's fucking chocolate and peanut butter. You dip Wait, it. They're British. She's like, she's one like of the, them's British. Yeah, and one's American. Oh, I haven't seen it. She's this like is a, Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, yeah. The one and only. Thanks for stopping in, Jacqueline. Hey, uh, hey. Thank you. So glad to have been able to get the perspective of of you for these questions. Uh, someone who has been on Team Astro Blast since before it began. That's true. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much much for coming in. Thank you, Dr. Varen. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Abbott. (laughs) I'm just Nurse Abbott. I'm just a. She's a girl. Of course, she's a nurse. Producer Jenny goes, nice. (laughs) 
Uranus is the next planet after Saturn and the first of the outer planets discovered in 1781. We just learned that. It was the first planet discovered with a telescope. <gasps> There's a telescope on it or we found it with using a telescope. They got a telescope up there. Yeah. They looked through a telescope and they saw another guy in Uranus looking right back at them with a telescope. And that's what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is really wild. That's what you see? I gotta go. What that's are you what writing about now? For. Your RAV4? <laughs> Jenny's writing poems about and for her RAV4. <laughs> Poet Jenny. Poet Jenny. Thank you. Okay. Uranus is kind of a gray-blue in color. Nice. Um, and because of the way its axis is situated, it kind of appears to be tilted and off-kilter. It looks <gasps> like it's not kind of like sitting flat with like a horizontal axis. Um, this is notable because... I got to pull up a pic. <sighs> <laughs> Keep going. I'm just going to be Googling. Okay. It's definitely... Are you searching on Pornhub? Yeah. <laughs> Your anus pornhub.com wow it's blue okay it's looking kind of tilted this just looks like a freaking egg or a ping pong ball it doesn't even look like it's a circle it looks like a freaking messed up egg is it big is it bigger than america or what's it called earth Great. All right, so because Uranus looks kind of off kilter like that, it's notable because after we discovered Uranus, it became associated as one of the two rulers of Aquarius. Um, Aquarius traditionally was ruled by Saturn before mm -hmm. we had discovered these outer planets, but okay. with the discovery of outer planets and their, their importance, their significance in our solar system, astrologers okay. thought that they should be assigned as secondary rulers or like overtake the traditional rulers. I see. So Uranus became one of the new rulers of Aquarius alongside Saturn. And we know Aquarius is a rather unusual sign, or at least it feels unusual to those of us who aren't Aquarian. Because Aquarius's ideas and ideals are typically unfamiliar to us, they can appear strange or their beliefs and opinions can appear strange, such as tilted Uranus. But for an Aquarian, their ideas make complete sense to them. It's us not understanding them that is strange for them. It's just it's just worth noting, I think, that the actual physical presence of Uranus feels related to the sign that it became a ruler of. Okay. Uh, it's become associated with, these are the bullet points for Uranus. Are you ready? Okay. Freedom. Individuality. Beautiful, beautiful. Ideas. Oh, I love the, these are top three favorite things so far. Innovation. Mm, okay. Revolution. Yes, hell yeah. Changes. Mm, okay, yes. Invention. Uh-huh, yes. And electricity. No. <laughs> no. So Ben Franklin is friggin' Uranus king. He's definitely, yeah. Exactly. He definitely, what do we know about Ben Franklin? He had little glasses shaped like Uranus. Didn't he actually have like syphilis or something or Probably. like gonorrhea? Who he definitely doesn't? had some didn't? STDs. He was horny. Yeah. You try writing the damn actually, constitution and being one of the first presidents of the United States. Uh, <laughs> don't, why? Well, hey, don't, hey, no, no, no. Don't try to. Jenny went to college. So. Yeah. Oh, we get you went to college. Ben Franklin wasn't a president. He was a first lady or whatever. Who cares? <laughs> ben Franklin actually was really into tarot and astrology and the occult. He would like go to France and hang out with King Louis XVI, who was also into all of this shit. Really? And yeah. And he was definitely like getting down with some French prostitutes. Ben was, Franklin be fucking. I heard he's got a big what interest in discovery. Oh, oh how interesting. So generationally, Uranus shows us how we stand out in history, what nice. we collectively as humans work on and change for the greater good. On a personal level, though, it shows us where great change or individuality takes place in our lives. And I'm going to read you a quote from Liz Green, who I talked about in the last episode. Okay. A great, a great contributor to psychological astrology. Okay. Uh, she says in her book on Saturn, actually, Uranian energy is usually expressed in sudden crises, which may involve conflicts with public authority, with parents, or with anything which contains the symbolic value of tradition or of opinions rather than ideas directly received. The collapse of the business, the sudden conflict with the law, the disruption of marriage, the accident are all different masks through which Uranus, symbolizing the need to free oneself from identification with the outward trappings of life, makes himself known as a collective urge working through the psyche of the individual. So, something about the police. Yep. Wow. Blue Lives Matter. That's what she was saying. That's what she says <laughs> in the book? 
Wow. That's yeah. controversial. And she, she wrote it in the 80s, too. That's but. even before it was even a thing. Yeah. Wow. Um, also, a cool thing I read about Uranus. So, hey. Car- Carl Jung. Do you know who Carl Jung is? I, ca- I can never tell if this is, like, common. Absolutely not. Okay. So, Carl Jung was a Swiss psychoanalyst who founded analytical psycho- psychology. And Why it was, would I have heard of him? Well, because it was his ideas that later created um, the Myers-Briggs test, like the oh. INFP shit or whatever the fuck, um, which we will do an episode about later because young... Sheldon. What's young Sheldon? It's a great show about... It's a prequel. Oh, right. Oh, the <laughs> fucking Big Bang Theory? Yeah. God, I just learned of that like two days ago. Ugh. Um, so Young was like a really important psychoanalyst. Like what he contributed to the world of psychology is like he's like a superstar. Mm-hmm. He's like um, the Ben Franklin of psychology. Yes, like what Ben Franklin was to electricity. And the and the presidency. So you know Freud, right? Sigmund Freud. Of course. Sigmund, yes. Okay, yeah. So Freud Freud's ideas are what Young was inspired by and like grew off of so he's kind of like the next freud okay and then from young Young freud Mm -hmm. um, became like after young like we've just adapted so much of what young like theorized um and psychological astrology especially is really tied to carl Jung. so he was also one of the first people to fuse psychology and astrology so young is tied into that he was he was like you know, somewhat interested. He knew enough about astrology to kind of like fuse his ideas on psychotherapy with astrology. Wow, the Jess Abbott of his time. Oh my gosh, I wish. I'm merely parroting psychological astrologers who if they heard this would recognize me as but a student. (laughs) So he had a theory that it takes 80 years for any idea or movement to become common and mainstream. Hold on, okay. Penetrate the collective unconscious. He had a theory. That it takes 80 years for any idea to penetrate the mainstream? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, for example, we're in an era right now where using they, them pronouns is, like, relatively new, right? Like, for for the collective. Right. And a lot of people are still kind of, like, averse to it and fighting it or not used to it, confused by it. Right. So, going with Jung's theory, let's say we've been working with they, them pronouns for, like, five years. Would that seem right? I have no idea. Let's say but, 2015 would be around the time that that was starting to really become part of the mainstream. Right. It's been five years. So in according to Young's theory, 75 years from now, they, them pronouns will just be like a no-brainer. Like people right. will assume they are a part of right. our pronouns, right. of an option for pronouns. So that's like what he means by that. And so how that- I wonder that, what another example, like a, an example of that would be something that has just now become a culture, like a norm. That 80 well, years ago was wild. I mean, wild. feminism is still something that we see constantly True. in the timeline. And women had the right to vote how many years ago? Less than 80, right? Mm-hmm. Is it less than 80, Jenny? When when were you allowed to start voting? Uh, I think women got... Uh, I'm looking it up, don't worry. Okay. Amer- American women won the vote on August 26, 1920. So right. it's been a little over 80 years. I mean, I. It's been a hundred years. I don't know whether I'll edit this out or not, but I would argue that you not know, all like. Women got the, the hey, right yes, thank you. Finally, <laughs> somebody Wait, said it. Not all women got the right to vote. Yeah, Jenny's right. Not all women got the right to vote. So that is still a front that is relative to today. True. Thank you, producer Jenny. So yeah, there's another example for you. Also, here's another example. Uranus was actually first called Herschel after the guy that invented it. Um, Arguably, a better name for a planet. <laughs> what did I say? Invented. Oh, <laughs> leave it in. Do not edit that out. Oh, invented no. it, and Listen. I'll keep calling back to it, so you have no choice but to leave it in. It's Sunday brunch. Herschel champagne. invented Herschel. Herschel invents Herschel. So Herschel, the new album by Herschel, Herschel. actually <laughs> named it after like some king, like French king or something. But everyone was like, "Boo!" Like we don't want to call it like. People didn't agree with calling it that. So the people started defaulting calling it Herschel, which still sucks because everyone was like, okay, well, we have Mercury, Mars, Venus. Like they, they were like, we have all these planets that are tied into mythology. We should stay on theme here. And then yeah, it was Robert. suggested to call it Uranus. So it was only 80 years after, about 80 to 90 years after the discovery of Uranus that the name Uranus became common. And Uranus is a god or some shit? Yeah, yes. Uranus was the father of Saturn, and Saturn actually 
cut off the genitals of his father Uranus and threw them into the sea what? to dethrone him. That's that's how you get off the throne. That's how you get off. Hey. And his genitals were thrown into the sea and then were then turned into Venus. Um, who came, Venus who was, is balls? Venus was born from balls. the foam of the sea and Uranus's castrated balls. remains. Balls, sure, yeah. Pecker head. Pecker head. Shaft and peck. So yeah, like Jung had this idea that it would take 80 years for new ideas to come into place. It took 80 years for the name of Uranus to happen. We've given other examples. And then also Uranus works in 80-year cycles. So it all kind of like ties to this idea of new ideas and revolution mm -hmm. is what we relate with Uranus. Yeah. Uh, Uranian people are in touch with the undercurrents of the collective and strive to share new ideas with the world. We see Uranus in the collective when a new creative idea explodes onto the timeline. The idea will be colored by the sign it's in. So not all people are Uranian people, meaning not all people have strong Aquarius, 11th house, or Uranian placements. So not all people participate with the creation of new ideas. Do I have Uranian in me? Well, we all have a Uranus. It's just a matter of if mm -hmm. it's going to be like a strong presence in your chart. Right. Looking at yours, you have Uranus in the 12th house. Okay. Is that good or bad or strong or weak? Well, I guess like getting more in depth about this will happen in future episodes because looking at it now, what stands out most about it is its aspect to Mercury in your chart. The two planets are at uh, an angle which specifically is referred to as a trine and that means something but it's too far from where you we're at right now you tell me you refuse yes i absolutely refuse okay so not all people are super uranian meaning you know you'd be really uranian if you had aquarius sun moon or rising you might if you okay go ahead sorry i have an idea but keep going no, go for the, it. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna hash out an idea as you continue to talk okay so if you had uranus on your ascendant meaning right at the nine o'clock position where your rising sign starts on that horizontal line Uranus would You might be, be Uranian, right? Yeah, yeah, you got it. If you... And then say another thing. If you had your son... If you had your son... Directly over Uranus... Directly over Uranus... In your chart. In your chart, you, you might be Uranian. <laughs> Is that from something? Oh, my God. You're so... I, you're not. You're so beautiful. You have <laughs> such a beautiful young mind. What does it mean? I never. I just. We have a young man broke out of the comedy scene in the '80s by the name of Jeff Foxworthy. Oh, okay. No, I'm. I'm on board now. And he had a his signature bit was, "You might be a redneck." And he I, said I stuff like, "Let me just think of. I'll just make some up. This is generally the stuff. If you have a tractor." And it's big as hell. You might be a redneck. If you oh live in a trailer God. that has wheels instead of toothbrushes, you might be a redneck. You know, he says all these sorts of things. Oh, That's God. his big bit. If you went in the mud and you found your father and your grandfather, you might be a redneck. Uranus is about social development. And this can happen on a personal level or a collective level. In the individual, we see someone who feels like they're living in the outskirts, an outsider or misunderstood, someone who's evolving and trying to share their ideas. On a collective level, we see a new social construct or concept breaking through. Mm -hmm. Uranus was discovered between the American Revolution and the French Revolution. Nice. Revolutions are powerful, sometimes chaotic ideas that sweep the collective. When a revolution is first suggested, it inspires fear. It takes time for people to decide that they can participate. To bring that to a personal level... You, you know, these are, these are just, I'm highlighting like the, the downsides of Uranus and that it can inspire fear through these chaotic changes that it incites. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's through some, it's for some greater purpose, some greater knowledge or understanding foursome. of something. Foursome. You said it. What, wait, what? You just said foursome and I said foursome in, repeat, in repeating it. When did I say foursome? I don't remember. I can't, I can't go back in time. I guess I'll find out like when I edit. Ben Franklin's <laughs> out there. Uranian influence and Uranian people are the ones spearheading the suggestion of a revolution. If, you, if you're suggesting a <laughs> spearheading the suggestion of a revolution, you might be Uranian. It's, <laughs> it's true. Uh, Uranus will act through kind of like a mouthpiece. And uh -huh. then other people, depending on how Uranian you are or are not, will get on board of this revolution or will be like hesitant, afraid. Just like not sure if they're going to be joining in on this revolution. But eventually, I mean, like revolutions happen. Wait, so they'll be on board or hesitant? 
Depen- that's just everybody in no, the no, world. No, no, no. Depending on your level of like Uranus oh, in your chart. I see. Yeah. So someone that's not super Uranian might be really afraid by the idea of a revolution or some new social construct. Like right. people who are really anti like they them pronouns because they're like afraid of it or they're not understanding it's it. It's not proper grammar. Yeah. Those people are stupid. It's so stupid. And also it's in the dictionary not now. True. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, my precious words i can't change i'm a linguist and i just can't get on board (laughs) so uranus was active at the dawn of the internet as well hell yeah the dawn of the internet also coincided welcome remember no you probably don't actually is that like an aol thing yeah yeah of course i fucking know that Uh, i don't know And the dawn of the internet also coincided with the beginning of the age of Aquarius. The dawning of the age of Aquarius, some might say. So we're, the age of Aquarius happened sometime around the year 2000. Could have been like, there's like an orb of like, you know, it's not like a specific hard date or time when an age changes, but ages turn over every 2000 years. Okay. So up until around 2000, we were in the age of Pisces for 2000 years so like christ was fucking born and in 2000 years at that time we were age of pisces we just switched to age of aquarius and uh, aquarius as we know now one of the new rulers is uranus which rules progress innovation ideas and electricity so that coincided with the birth of the internet hell yeah in terms of elements uranus favors air signs because air signs transmit thoughts and ideas which is kind of what it's all about uranus also favors fire as fire is always active and seeking to transform seeking potential We learned in the Elements episode that water loves unity, as does Uranus, trying to unite people under new ideas. But water only loves unity through first separating, finding itself, establishing its feelings, and then coming together again. Uranus doesn't enjoy that part, that separation, as it's always striving to just unite. So Uranus is not always favoring water signs. Earth signs are the least favored by Uranus, though or by any of the outer planets, none of them particularly like Earth, because Earth flourishes in tangible environments and set boundaries it can understand. But the outer the outer planets are the... the Am in- I not Earth sign? Me? Yes, you are. Oh, my God. But that's not speaking entirely for your whole chart, just because okay. your main three are Earth signs. Okay. The outer planets are the antithesis of Earth, thinking broadly and conceptually, destroying boundaries to make room for new ones. And with psychological astrology, it is an evergreen concept that through darkness we're given the opportunity to find light with anything in our charts. There are dark sides to Uranus, such as anarchy, chaos, destruction. The purge. The purge, yes. Very Uranian. (laughs) If you participate in the purge, you might be Uranian. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so... But Uranus ultimately envisions a better future. Working with its energies instead of against them is key. Well, let's fucking do some advice questions. Oh, finally. I love to give advice. I have to pee first. All right. So it's time for advice. Yeah. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Here we go. What do we got here? This is from an unnamed person. So, of course, as is tradition, I give them a name. And it is the great... George Burns. He lived to be a hundred. Okay. Virgo Sun, Sag Moon, Taurus Rising. Hello. What? Sag Sag Moon. Sag After Moon. Taurus Rising. Hello. Thanks for the great podcast. I didn't know much about astrology and then learning a lot. Like your typical Virgo. I'm skeptical but interested. Classic Virgo. My question is, based on my limited knowledge, my sun and moon signs seem kind of at odds with each other. This could be wrong. Do you think people do you think people with conflicting or just very different signs in their chart tend to be more tense or stressed? Go ahead. There will always be some kind of conflicting energy in a natal chart. It's very rare that someone has a perfectly balanced chart. Like very, very rare. There will be some kind of opposition. It's just kind of how extreme those oppositions are and how much of your chart seems to be at odds. Having sun and moon at odds, you will it's something you will definitely perceive because sun and moon are two things that we're actively experiencing every day of our lives. When those are at odds with each other, you'll feel it. Uh, but th- it's nothing that can't be worked with. Uh, I've, I would say that having conflicting energy in your chart doesn't need to make you more tense or stressed than other people because it's all going to depend on your your level of consciousness and how involved you are with uh, bettering yourself. I, I, I think like you may feel particularly stressed by it, of course. If you have 
to if your sun and moon are signs that are opposites on the wheel or or some kind of like detrimental aspect of the wheel and its relationship your moon and sun's relationships to other planets are negative which we'll get into later then yeah you might feel it more than other people and it could make you more stressed out that's true but i don't think that having opposite energies in your chart will inherently make you more stressed out just hone in on whatever you're noticing in your chart in your case your sun and moon figure out what those energies are and how you can blend them together to better your life boom question number two here we go lily who is a gemini sun the great lily tomlin from grace and frankie <laughs> Uh, yes, she writes in with a Gemini sun and Libra moon. I'm 22, living at home, and I've been feeling out of place and isolated a lot recently. I just graduated college and am overqualified and underpaid for my job. Hallelujah. And don't feel as if I have any creative community around me. I'm 45 minutes outside of Chicago, but other than that, there's no poetry or literary community near me. No open mics, readings, workshops, hell, even bookstores that aren't corporate. I've reached out to places to hold open mics, but all have either rejected or ghosted me. Poetry is a dear passion of mine, but not having other writers near me to write with, exchange ideas, or build ourselves together has been really tough. Any advice on how to foster a DIY creative community near me? Love the podcast, love the teachings, and stay hot. And then a bunch of Thank colorful you. heart emojis. I have no idea. On how to f foster, create and foster a DIY community. I really have, uh, that's something I've always felt a struggle with as well. Me too, actually. But how did we find our people? MySpace started it all. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess today's interpretation of that is like building networks on social media. Yeah. Seems to be a way for sure. I mean, there's like, even on Reddit, there are like subreddits, like basically communities for like every group of anything you could ever imagine under the sun. Yeah. So like, it's a good, it's a good place to start is online communities. Um I mean, even like something as antiquated as Craigslist could still serve that purpose. And then like Twittering and Instagramming based on like interests and eventually yeah. finding people near you or who can help you network with other people near you. Yeah. Honestly, there's like a lot of shit going on all over the world right now for like communities and groups to talk to. People are always like starting new things yeah. and trying to create communities. And I think that that leaves space for you to try to start one. I mean, if if you're if you've already kind of like exhausted searching for other people to talk to, and you're not yielding anything, then just try to be proactive. You know, like do some grassroots shit, make flyers for shit that you want to start happen, or like make Craigslist posts and then talk about it on your social media and get friends to share it and find. I mean, even finding one like-minded person near you could help inspire like creating whatever kind of DIY scene you're envisioning. Yeah, baby. And hey, you're a part of the Astro Blast community. And isn't that good enough? Thank you, Lily. All right, here we go next. <laughs> Unnamed, of course, and this must be, I recognize the handwriting, it must be my dear friend, Courtney Love, the singer of Hole. All right, Capricorn Sun, Gemini Moon, Libra Rising. I recently made a big move to a new city with my boyfriend and have had a really hard time making friends and feeling at home. Meanwhile, my boyfriend, a Cancer Sun, Gemini Moon, Gemini Rising, has quickly and totally flourished here with new friends and a job that he genuinely loves. How do I deal with the jealousy and disappointment of not enjoying my new life while he is over there thriving? You know what? I'd say, you know, these things take time. When I first moved to L.A., you know, I wasn't the star that I became. I was just a, some other hot, just another hot guy walking around Sunset Boulevard. But soon, quickly, within three months, I started making friends, enjoying myself. But I would say the first three months of living here, I genuinely was like, oh, I this is not my place. I don't know anybody. The people I've met, I don't really feel vibe with. But I don't know. I found my people. You know? You find your people. Things just take time. And someone that has a Gemini rising and a Gemini moon, like your boyfriend, has like a double dose of wanting to socialize and experience. 
And I mean, the benefit here is that you also have a Gemini moon, which wants the same things and is nurtured by it and is willing to give that as nurturing to your partner. But uh, you have a Libra rising, which is instead focusing on accommodating and on kind of like beautifying your life. And when things are rubbing up against it, you find yourself unhappy. So I think trying to get more in touch with your moon and supporting your partner and realizing that, you know, maybe he has a jump ahead of you on the game, but that he ultimately wants you to feel happy too. Uh, you'll find your place. Just be patient with it and be supportive and caring and, you know, just live your your life to the best of your ability and things will fall into place. Um, worst case scenario, not every place is for everybody, but you'll learn some stuff there and figure it out and then maybe you'll be submitting a new question, you know, a year from now. What do I do with all these friends? Exactly. I have too many. How many of them should I kill off? Yeah. How many should I take down in the purge? Friend edition. Yeah, friend edition. <laughs> you get to kill any one of your friends. Wow. Gosh, what a dream. The purge, Astro Blast edition. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, so we have the website. We've got a website. It's astroblasting.com. Social media, Twitter and Instagram is also astroblasting. Please rate and review. Yeah. Oh, I have a review I'm going to need to read. I have been meaning to read this. This is from Nick Penn 23 Fun times. As a Taurus like Chris, I am, I too am apprehensive about the whole astrology thing, but really enjoy learning about it. What a nice review. Thank you. Five stars from Nick Penn 23 Thanks, Nick Penn 23 That is really nice. And uh, Born Hot has been out. Born for... Hot has been out for a week, over a week at this point. The people love it well and that being said jenny also released a new song very recently on friday right called gravitron yes a beautiful little number oh my god a little number well speaking of me <laughs> speaking of big carnival rides that spin you all around i'm h for the d and to the stars and back oh my god kill it kill it <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,